Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Rhino, it's World Series weekend. I got to be honest, I'm a little sad. I really thought the Cubs were going to be in like five straight, didn't you? Uh, I'm kind of surprised, Chad. I thought by this point you would have felt a little better by now, but I, I guess it's just that passion pouring over. But you know what? We still have plenty to talk about, and there's still plenty of Cubs talk to be had. Pitchers and catchers report um, in uh, late February, and I have a countdown clock on my desk as we speak. Um, we're going to break down so much that's going on in the Cubs world uh, um, uh, in terms of uh, some some uh, grades right now for for Theo Epstein and and his uh, the, the the grade on his regimen uh, regime rather, <laughs> and then uh, we're going to talk about some news that we're hearing from the about the core five. Um, and would we feel bad or good? Do we think some uh, trades need to be made? And then also some nice accolades for uh, the Cubs. Uh, with uh, Apparently, the Cubs have one of the best closers in baseball. Who knew? Yeah, who knew that? And you know what else, though? I do know that Taylor McGregor from the Marquee Sports Network, of course, she's the in-game reporter for all the Cubs broadcast. She is going to join us on this episode. She was a delight to talk to. Really excited about this interview with Taylor. So please stick around and stay tuned because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. And as always, Chad, let's start in the first inning. And it was kind of interesting, Chad. Cubs Twitter uh, blowing up this week based on a tweet that discussed the fact that the Theo Epstein Cubs regime, which is either over functionally over or has been a failure, according to this one Twitter user, I know they won a title, but this front office was supposed to turn the Cubs into perennial winners. The Heartlands, Yankees slash Dodgers, they're no closer to that goal than where they were in 2011. That was the tweet that came out from this particular user. A hailstorm of Cubs Twitter people attacked this guy. But the question does remain, Chad, is the Theo Epstein I guess era ultimately a success or a failure. I'll let you start. What do you think? I mean, it's a, the simple answer is it's a success. It, was it a dynasty? No. Will it become a dynasty uh, um, in the last year of his tenure contract? Absolutely not. It's that's not how dynasties work. But have the Cubs won the third most game since 2015? Have they won a World Series title, the first one in 108 years? Have they? Uh, made three in, uh, NLCS uh, uh, series? Um, have they won multiple division titles? Um, have they made the playoffs in, in all but but one of the last five years? Yeah, I mean, those are all measures that any franchise would love to have. Yes, the Dodgers have had more success um, uh, in terms of making more World Series during this time, but they haven't won a World Series. So Theo, to me, um, is going to be a guy that will – likely probably there'll be a plaque a trophy um there'll be there'll be a a statue of him somewhere outside of wrigley field so that tells me all i need to know which is he came in here and did the impossible yeah i mean listen if you were to ask me and i mean i'll use you as a reference here because this is something i feel like you have said if you were to have said to me in 2010 uh or 2011 for that matter that if theo epstein came in here won you a World Series, you get to the playoffs multiple times, 
including the NLCS in, you know, three consecutive seasons, would you sign up for that? And the answer is yes. The answer is I would have taken that. I remember the days, Chad, when I would tell friends and family when the Cubs were perennial losers. And I would literally just say, all I want to see is them to win a pennant. I don't even care if they win the World Series. I just want to be able to say that I saw the Cubs in the World Series. And you know what, Chad? I did. And you know what else? I got to see them win a championship on top of it. We all did. So for me, this has been a rousing success. Yes, maybe it hasn't been exactly what we thought it would be. We maybe thought it was going to be multiple championships. But you know what? I'm okay with winning one championship because for 108 years and for 44 years of my life, or I should say at the time, 40 years of my life, basically, I never got to see a World Series. So for me to be able to take that away, I can say that this was a rousing success. Absolutely. Let's move on to the second inning, and it kind of fits into that mode. Uh, Ron, I'll pose the question to you. Would you rather have the Dodgers' success? Um, And they've been very successful, multiple World Series appearances, but no titles, or keep what we have seen with the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me at this very moment, knowing that right now the World Series is going on, I'm going to take the Cubs. I mean, I don't think there's anything worse, in my opinion, Chad, to have the success that the Dodgers have had making it to the World Series multiple times or having the best record in baseball, but then losing in the NLDS or having arguably the best pitcher of this generation and see him time and time again struggle in the postseason. I think it would be maddening to have the success that the Dodgers have had in the regular season but then not be able to close the deal. Now, that could all change after this World Series. But up to this point, I'm taking the Cubs, absolutely, because I have that World Series championship. What about you? Well, I mean, you you look at, uh, you know, the next time we're going to record a podcast, either the Dodgers have won their first World Series since 1988, or they lost to a team whose combined payroll um, is is less than or right about the same amount of money as Kershaw and Mookie Betts, which would be a colossal failure for these L.A. Dodgers. This is a team that um, is built for success, is funded for success, um, got a tremendous payday. Um, unlike what the Cubs are ever going to be able to get with the marquee network, the, the Dodgers got a tremendous multi-billion dollar payday that they've been able to fund through their local sports regional network. And they've used that money. They've done exactly what you'd want a big market team to do, which is put a, a, a rotation, a lineup, a team core together, and not be afraid of going after some big names and signing on and holding on to some big pitchers. So, you know, the, the question is, would I take one or the other? I'll, I'll take the Cubs all day because, again, I wanted to see that ring. I wanted to chase that ring, and the Cubs did that. And they uh, they did it in such a way um, that that it's 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 it will be that title in 2016, what the Cubs were able to do. That if, if the Dodgers win this year in a, in a in a shortened season, there is no way it'll hold a candle to what the Cubs did. And I don't want to discount that for any, any of our Dodger listeners because they haven't tasted it. But they, it's been since 1988. The Dodgers are built for success. They're not going anywhere. The Cubs, unfortunately, it may have been the only one, but I wouldn't give that up for anything. I totally agree 100 percent. So let us move on now to the third inning, Chad, in uh, some Cubs connections, so to speak, as we uh, are in this World Series. 
And um, one of them is Mark Pryor, who is the pitching coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the other is Brant Brown, who is the hitting coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Brant Brown spending some time with the Cubs as well. So two-part question here, Chad. One, what are your memories of Brant Brown and Mark Pryor? And two, does that make you at least kind of want to cheer a little bit for the Dodgers uh, to get that World Series because you have these two guys uh, who are former Cubs going for that ring? You know, I've always said, on this podcast uh, that I've got a couple Dodger friends that have actually been very supportive of my fandom of the Cubs and were very happy for me in 16. So, you know, for that aspect, I, you know, do, does anybody have any friends that are Tampa Bay fans? Does Tampa Bay have any fans? You know, it would be kind of interesting if, if uh, the, 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 the team that, that, uh, that, that can't, you know, sell tickets to their own stadium um, if they win the World Series, kind of like the Marlins have done a couple times. So, you know, uh, for me, you, the question was the memories of, uh, of Brown, memories of Pryor. Uh, you know, with Pryor, it's just that, like, what might have been. You know, if he could have just stayed healthy, if he could have just figured it out, if he could have been, you know, people looked at him like a, a Nolan Ryan sort of figure, like this bigger than life, huge, huge calves, you know, just the ability to come in there and just overpower people it never really happened. He's a footnote guy. He's a guy that, uh, again, that, that people look at and go, he should have been something spectacular. He had a couple really amazing, great years. And then Brant Brown, I mean, come on, everybody remembers that incredible call with Ron Santo and <laughs> say, oh, no, no, he drops the ball in the outfield. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's really cool that two of the key core um, positions on the Dodgers coaching staff are, are held by, you know, former Cubs. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's hard to quantify to see a guy as a coach uh, win a World Series. You know, you think of like maybe the manager and say, oh, like he finally earned it. I don't think anyone ever sits there. Maybe they do. I don't personally that says, oh, wow, good one. I'm glad the pitching coach and the hitting coach got to the World Series, right? Like we normally equate it to the player or the co or rather the manager. Uh, so for me, I, I can't sit here and say, like, I'm actively excited about the Dodgers winning the World Series. I'm actually kind of, you know, this World Series to me, I've said it before, really don't have any sway either way. Um, the Rays to me being the underdog, I guess that would be a better story, um, even though, you know, you can look at the Dodgers and say, yes, they haven't won. Um, you know, in over 30 years and, you know, now they have that opportunity to get that title. But yeah, I don't really feel like it's something for me that I could care less at the Dodgers or Mark Pryor for that matter, or Brant Brown win or lose. Um, I'm on board with you. Obviously, the only memorable thing, I hate to say it, but the one memorable thing about Brant Brown was that play in Milwaukee where Ron Sandel lost his mind. Ridiculous close. Yeah, Colin <laughs> lost his mind. I, we, I wish we could dig it up somewhere. I'm sure we can somewhere. Maybe we could like edit it into this episode. And then, um, yeah, to your point about Mark Pryor, I mean, people thought this was going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher. And uh, that 2003 season with Pryor, obviously everyone remembers game six and remembers that this team was five outs away when Pryor held a three to nothing lead and say what you want about how it all fell apart or if Dusty left him in too long or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, it's a lot of what ifs with Mark Pryor. Obviously he had the stuff. If he had stayed healthy, of course, um, I think we would have been playing a different tune when it came to the career of, of Mark Pryor. So with that, let's turn it over to the fourth. Inning. Yeah. Good take there. So let's move on to the fourth. And, uh, and here's, you know, interesting. you're thinking about, the Cubs offseason and what may or may not happen. And there's a lot of talk to say 
you know, to the Cubs. And, and, and last, last week, Ronnie, you said you're going to let it ride, let it ride with the group. Don't make any big changes, but there has been some discussion about what would happen if any of the core five got traded this off season, if they started, you could say the rebuild or the retweak or the, whatever you want to call it started early. How would you feel Rhino? Um, if, if one of those core five players is, uh, is moved for, uh, other pieces. Well, I think it depends on the player, right? So I think it's safe to say that if it was Schwarber, if it was um, Bryant, if it was one of those two guys, I think people would understand it more and be okay with it. But I still think that you're ultimately better off keeping all these guys. If it's Javi, if it's Rizzo, if it's Contreras, I don't know how I feel about that, Chad. That's where I feel like, look, like, why would you trade those guys? Javi's the guy that you feel like you're going to build your team around long term. Rizzo, to me, seems like he's going to be a Cubs lifer, which is the way it should be. And Contreras, I think we're talking about arguably the best catcher in baseball with Wilson Contreras right now. I mean, defensively, he's fantastic. He's he's getting better each year with the stick as well. So for me, I feel like, Schwarber and Bryant, I can understand if they're going to be traded, but I don't think it's the right move. And I think ultimately you got to keep all these guys together and you definitely can't trade Rizzo, Javi or Contreras. What about you? For me, it just seems like the blinding flash of the obvious. It, it, it They're not going to be traded. That's what it just feels like to me, because there's a couple things that work here. One, you've got very little trade value you've got a, a you don't know if it's going to be a shortened season a full season you have no idea what's going to happen so you know to, to make a, a trade it would have to be something incredible and then for a team to make a trade and give up something that the cubs would really want in terms of pieces why would they do that if they're not even sure they're going to get a full year of value um that's one piece of it the other piece of it is you've got all these guys many of these guys working on their contract year and you want Chris Bryant hungry going into this last season um, in their contract year. You want Javi doing that. You want Schwarber. You want all these guys that are going to be going to their contract year hungry. Now, now, does that mean that they can't have a tremendous, um, you know, first half of the season? And then maybe you make a move, even if the Cubs are in contention, but you make a move where their trade value is high if the market presents itself next summer. I'm not against that at all. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. But it makes no sense. I don't know who would give away what. Um, in terms of prospects and value for what potentially could be a shortened year based upon um, who knows what's going to happen with COVID. Yep. Totally agree with that. So let's move on to the fifth inning now. And uh, Chad, the probably one of the best offseason moves the Cubs made uh, in 2020 was the acquisition of Jeremy Jeffress, who uh, really solidified the bullpen. He led the team in saves and he was nominated for the national league reliever of the year. So, Chad, my question to you to start off this inning is Jeremy Jeffress, the guy who should be considered the closer going into 2021? Let's take a really fun take on this and just say, wait a second, what? This bullpen, the the maligned bullpen, bullpen that, you know, that we talked about Cubs Twitter being all over that the Cubs didn't actually have a reliever is actually up for the best reliever of the year. Let's let's take a moment to appreciate that. Right. Um, secondly, I think based upon the paycheck size, yes, Jeffers did fantastic, but Craig Kimbrell is going to have every opportunity to get that closer role going into next year. And let's keep in mind, 
this would be the first year going into next year if everything plays out on a regular spring training and a regular 162 game year this would be the first time he's had a chance in three years in a cubs uniform to actually have a regular um uh, uh, spring training all the way through regular season we picked him up midway through last year yeah partial year this year uh craig kimbrell was absolutely lights out uh, aside from a couple um, uh, uh, appearances. Um, I think he has to be the guy. I think he's the guy that has the best stuff, but Jeffers did his job and did it really well. And congrats and uh, great accolades. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you got to go with him going into the year. He's earned it so far. And I understand that Kimbrell's the guy who has the background and he's the guy assigned to the big contract. But as far as as I'm concerned, until you see Craig Kimbrell is able to once again be that dominant guy, which he could very well be the guy again. Maybe he will be. Um, But until I see that, as far as I'm concerned, Jeremy Jeffers is the best guy coming out of that bullpen. And he should be the guy who closes out games. He led the team in saves. He was the most reliable reliever on the team. And so as far as I'm concerned, I I certainly feel like he is somebody that deserves that opportunity. And I hope because he only signed a one year deal. I hope the Cubs can pony up and keep him for uh, another year, at least two for that matter, because he certainly deserves it. Let's move on to the sixth inning. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, rotation next year. We're not sure what's going to happen with with Lester, if he's going to get the buyout or if they're going to return him on a on a very, very you know, high salary for, for his, his output, um, you know, Chatwood, that ship has probably sailed. The Cubs are probably looking at, and, and despite the fact they've got a really solid one, two punch, um, they're probably looking at, at putting a lot of, of stake into Alec Mills and your boy Azale. Um, what do you think? Is that, uh, is, is that, is that, are you going to be able to hang your hat on, on those two guys to, to make this uh, rotation as dominant as it needs to be? Well, I think as much as you may not want that to be the case, Chad, I think that is going to be the case because, again, I don't feel like this team is going to be making any major signings. I know we would love it in a pipe dream, but Trevor Bauer is not coming to the Chicago Cubs next year, right? Or Marcus Stroman or any of these guys who, you know, are free agents or potential trade bait opportunities that you can bring into this rotation. Like, we're not getting them. And so... As far as I'm concerned, we're going to be riding the guys who basically are already a part of this organization or um, are in the farm system. And so we're looking at, obviously, Darvish and Hendricks. And then you're looking at Mills, Adzelay. And I truly believe that John Lester will be back with his team. I really do. I think he's going to sign a team-friendly deal. The Cubs are going to buy him out. I think he's going to finish his career with the Cubs. And I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be able to uh, see what John Lester is going to be able to do finishing uh, his just stellar and potential Hall of Fame career. Chad, it may be the offseason and Cub fans, I'm sure, are drowning in their sorrows. But, hey, if you're going to do that, you might as well get some great wine to go with it. Am I right? And that's absolutely, why, yeah, absolutely we're excited, Chad, about our new partner, the Federalist Wine. This is a damn good tasting wine. It's crafted to be big, bold, and revolutionary as America itself. And this is an American craft wine that really goes with everything, Chad. So if you're upset because the Cubs lost, then have some Federalist wine. If you still want to watch baseball, have some Federalist wine. 
You want it with some dude food, as I like to call it, a hamburger, drink Federalist wine, and it's even good with a nice steak as well. Any sort of thing you want to pair it with, it's all yours. You don't have it, to have any rules with this. It's great wine. It's good stuff. It's perfect for the backyard barbecues and, and obviously watching baseball and maybe the transition into football. I drink it. Ryan drinks it. And you should, too. So grab a bottle at uncorked.com. Go to uncorked.com and use the promo code CUBS20 and you'll get 20% off your purchase. So remember um, to do that at uh, the promo code CUBS20 at uncorked.com to get 20% off any bottle of wine. That's Federalist. Damn good taste. That's right. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And we're so pumped for our guest this week. Of course, you can see her on the Marquee Network. She is the in-game reporter. You can find her on Twitter and on Instagram at Taylor underscore McGregor for both handles. We are excited to talk to Taylor McGregor as she joins us here on the seventh inning stretch. Taylor, how you doing? And welcome to the Friendly Confines. Oh, I am so happy to be here, especially since it's the off season and we're not literally at the Friendly Confines. So to be joining you guys feels like sort of I'm back in the ballpark. Yeah, <laughs> so see a little there, bit. At least. That's right. Yeah. That's Talking right. about baseball is, is fun no matter the season. So super happy to be on with you guys. Thanks so much for thinking of me. Of course. You know, it's funny. When we had Elise Menneker on, your coworker, she had asked if this requires her to sing the seventh inning stretch, which it does <laughs> not unless you would like to, of course. So feel free to burst it out anytime you'd like if in between questions or anything like that. So to hear my singing voice i can promise you that <laughs> <laughs> well let's start here first of all we mentioned you're part of the marquee sports network broadcast any cubs fan who watches would know that i'm just curious from your perspective this was obviously such an unorthodox crazy season you come into a network in its first year and you're playing an abbreviated season trying to basically figure everything out on the fly so to speak I would just love to hear from you what your first year was like with everything you guys had to deal with going into the season and having this pandemic hanging over you guys. What was that like for you? I still don't think I have the words to accurately describe what this year was like. When I took this job, I knew it was going to be different. I knew there was going to be challenges, but I never Nobody ever predicted the challenges that it actually would be um, having basically no access to the players, uh, the, the shortened season, having to broadcast from Wrigley on the road when the, when the team was on the road. Some of the technical issues that come along with the simple protocols that Major League Baseball had in place and then that Marquis had in place. I mean, there was just so much that went on. I think a lot more than fans really even realized. Um, was impacted. So it was crazy. But you know what? I actually just talked to our lead producer, Mike Leary, and we just said, we're going to look back on this, you know, at the end of our careers and say, wow, we did that. We launched a network in the middle of a global pandemic. And we were a part of something that will forever be written in the history books. And so 
there's certainly a lot that we can be proud of there. Um, and just, I think for everybody, I mean, everybody living who w- witnessed baseball this season and who lived through this pandemic, I mean, everybody has memories from it. And that's certainly no different than what we experienced this year at Marquee. So I'm just trying to be thankful that I got to be a part of it. And um, now looking back, just just really trying to take in that whole experience, watching games from Wrigley, being the only one in the stands and and so much more. So it was it really was a great season all in all. We're just happy that we had a season because there was so much in doubt from the very beginning. So we saw what the Cubs did. They unfortunately lose in the wild card round to the Marlins. And now the attention, as you mentioned earlier, turns to offseason baseball. That's what we're talking about at this point. So I'll ask you first, when you look at the broad scope of this team, Taylor, what does this team need? What are the biggest needs, would you say, going into the offseason that need to be addressed in your eyes? So I think when you when you evaluate the team as a whole, there it's a little bit of a two-part question because you saw the pitching really be the strength overall this season. Um, the bullpen was a lot better than people anticipated it to be. And then the starting pitching was solid. There was a, a few hiccups, but for the most part, definitely a strength. And so now you know that, but then you also have to, to look when guys hit free agency. Obviously, John Lester, it's a question mark if he'll be if he'll be back there next year with the option. And then you have Tyler Chatwood hitting free agency. You have Jose Quintana hitting free agency. And so there's some guys that those pieces naturally have to be filled. But we all know the glaring issue with this team has been the offense. And that's dated back now to a couple of years. Um, and, and I think it's the challenging part of a general manager is to find a bat that's really going to play in the lineup and in in the, uh, in the in the ballparks you go to. But what's tough is you have guys on the team who have proven themselves as, as big league hitters. I mean, you've, you've seen Javi, albeit some, some issues with the punch outs and, and being a little bit aggressive in his swing, he consistently has put up numbers in the past. Same with Rizzo, same with Chris Bryant. Jason Hayward was a great story this year. Him, he stepped up. Ian Happ early on in the season. And so I think what you you heard out of Theo Epstein's presser and, and what I think fans know is, okay, yeah, the pieces might be there, but they haven't produced the results. So something has to change. And, and that's the, the challenging part about being a GM is what, what changes need to be made. So that was a really long answer to basically just say there has to be something that changes offensively. Um, we've talked about a lot of the, the core guys being potentially moved now for a few years. I think you really could see that, but this year's so weird with the market. You just don't know how it's going to play out with, with COVID and, and the way that teams are willing to spend money and what have you. So it, I think it's going to be a really interesting off season. It always is, but you add the new layer of, of coronavirus and that throws even more um, question marks into what could potentially unfold. So certainly interested to see what the Cubs are going to do. I wish I have all the answers, but <laughs> I'm not the general manager. I'm just going to sit here and talk about it. That's right. That's right. We're talking with Taylor McGregor, of course, the in-game reporter for the Marquee Sports Network. You can find her work at the Marquee Sports Network as well as online at the website there, too. And you can find her on Twitter at Taylor underscore McGregor and on Instagram at Taylor underscore McGregor. So, Taylor, I guess I'm going to ask you an impossible question. <laughs> um, what who who do you think are well? 
actually the first part might be a little easier. The second part might be a little harder. The, the first part is, are there any guaranteed people? Cause I can think in my head of people that I think ultimately will not be back with this team that are probably no brainers. I'm curious what your response to that is. And then two, yeah, you kind of hit it on the head. It's so hard to figure out if there's going to be major moves made by this team, or are we just going to kind of see what we saw this last offseason, just maybe bring in small parts to kind of shore up certain areas. So maybe take part one first and then see if you can figure to, you know, try to answer part two as well. Yeah, so so part one being the guys who we believe will, will for sure not be back. Correct. Is that the question? Yep. Yeah, so I think you look at the guys hitting free agency, um, you know, Chatwood, Quintana, I would say most likely not going to be back. Um, You look at the guys who are on a one-year deal. I mean, obviously, Sousa for sure not going to be back because got released in the middle of the season. I would have said that. Otherwise, I mean, Kipnis on the one-year deal as well. I don't see him coming back. Um, And other than that, I don't know. I mean... There was a time when, you know, some people might have said Bryant wouldn't be back. I think you could make some cases for for Contreras, what they could potentially get for him. But again, this free agent market is so different. And I don't know the value of anyone on it. So it's hard to really say this is going to happen, that's going to happen based upon simply the market. But then also, like you said, kind of an, an impossible question because I don't, I'm not Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, so I, I don't have the ultimate say-so as to what happens, but I would just look at guys hitting free agency, and those would be your best bet as to who's not coming back. John Lester, though, seems like a guy to me, Taylor, that is going to end up, at least this is my gut, that is going to be bought out, and then the Cubs are going to sign him at a team-friendly deal. Is that something you could potentially and most likely happen? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think what happens in guys' careers is they usually get paid for what they've done, right? Um, and and he's one of, if not the best free agent signing in the history of the organization. And there certainly is a, a, an, a, an award that is deservant there. Um, but who knows? We'll see. But I, I think I think that situation is very, very likely to play out. Uh, November 13th, the Cy Young Award will be for the National League. In your opinion, is it Hugh Darvish, you think, that ultimately is going to claim that prize? Oh, that's tough. I think if if, if the award would have been handed out halfway through the season, I think he gets it. Um, Jacob deGrom, obviously, with the injury and that last that last outing hurts him. I think it's always hard to dethrone a guy. And when you have a guy like him who's consistently won it and he still has a dominant year, I think that plays in his favor. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it. Obviously, you could make a, another um, statement or argument for Trevor Bauer. So I I hate to say this. I don't think it goes to you, Darvish. I would most likely say that it goes to DeGrom. The boys will be right back after this message from the Barroom Network. 
On a recent Sportscaster and Her Son podcast, Peggy Kaczynski spoke with Jeannie Morris about Gail Sayers. McCaskey, who was a wonderful guy, the current president of the Bears' father, helped Gail write that speech. Dad was very, very supportive of the Piccolo family all through that ordeal. So Ed McCaskey, the, the husband of Virginia McCaskey, correct, helped correct. him write the speech, which is the one that everyone remembers Billy D. Williams doing in the movie? Yes. Wow. I love Brian Piccolo. And I'd like all of you to love him, too. And tonight, hit your knees. Please ask God to love him. Wow. Well, and Ed McCaskey was always had such a great way with words. He was a, he loved to sing and he loved to, yeah, he just had such a special way with words. That's the first Mm -hmm. time I heard that. Sportscaster and her son, now on the Barroom Network. Recently on Stuff Your Mom Throughout, Mark Greco recalled this Ernie Banks story. I also remember times when we hired Ernie Banks to be our Cubs analyst during the uh, 84 playoff run. And we're sitting at an empty Wrigley Field on an off day shooting a special and you know we took a little break this family was getting a private tour of Wrigley Field and this little kid came up to ask for Ernie's autograph and of course Ernie he was the greatest guy in the world the friendliest person on earth and he's like Mr. Banks can I have your autograph and his wife at the time ran up no autographs after five o'clock we only do so many on certain days but she would regulate the number of autographs that he did and regulate the time in which he was allowed to give them Stuff Your Mom Throughout with David Schuster and Scott Beatty only on the Barroom Network. And of course, lots of good things going on in the Barroom Network. And we are so proud to be a part of this great podcast network where you can hear us among all the other platforms where our podcast is. And once again, our thanks to Taylor McGregor. She's so great, so talented. Fantastic. Fantastic to the Marquee Sports Network and the broadcast. So I really enjoyed talking to her, and she was so nice to give us a few minutes of her time. And, of course, Chad, not only can you find Taylor on social media, you can find Chad and I on social media. You can find Chad at the Chad Gordon. You can find me at Ryan D. Lieber. And, of course, don't forget we're on Facebook, too. You can find us at the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We are always excited to engage with our listeners and want to hear from you about what you think the Cubs need to do this offseason and what you're feeling right now as you're watching baseball basically at the end of this year going into the offseason what things need to happen with that good stuff let's move in and move on to the eighth inning and uh, we're starting to hear a little bit uh, from uh, Rob Manfred uh, in terms of you know the commissioners looking at uh, okay what worked what's going to stick and all the different rule changes, all the different things, all the tweaks that they did here in this shortened season. And he voiced two things um, that uh, he said he kind of likes. You know, I think there's kind of like that that trial balloon to see what people think. But he, he liked the expanded playoffs. He thought 16 maybe a little bit too much. But he said, you know, a, an expanded playoff of 14 teams kind of makes sense. Um, and that would actually allow the team in both the National League and the American League with the best record to actually get a bye 
into the division round, which is kind of a nice little perk for the best record in, in baseball. And then secondly, he really liked having a runner on second base to start extra innings. To He said it was good from a player safety perspective. Um, he did not touch the designated hitter, which did not make that didn't, didn't surprise me at all, because I think that's going to be a huge negotiating point um, after the, 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 the agreement between um, baseball and the players association is up after this next season. Rhino, what do you think about Rob's little uh, trial balloon he threw out there this week? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I can't sit here and say that it would be a terrible idea, but at the same time, you're playing 162 games to determine who the best team in baseball is. And if you're going to do that, then the 162 game season really doesn't mean anything. And you're playing all these regular season games because back in the day, you were only talking about four teams that made the postseason. You had the NL winner in one division. You had the NL winner in the other division and same in the American League. And then you would play the NL and ALCS. And then whoever won that played in the World Series. Now with the expansion of the wild card, which has been great. And don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed it. It has, you know, maybe taken a little bit of a turn and it's been great, but it does diminish the 162 games. So if we're going to expand the postseason, Chad, then maybe the move at this point is to just maybe take the schedule and play less games. And I mean, if you're going to play 154 or 144, whatever the case may be, maybe that's the move more so. Because the emphasis on regular season, why do you have to have so many games to play then if you're going to allow all these teams in the postseason to begin with? So that's the only thing I would say if you're going to expand the postseason. I don't have a problem with it, but then don't put so much emphasis on the regular season. What about you? I, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, 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 it the fact that that we had a couple teams um, with losing records. I mean, the fact that the Astros almost made the World Series with a losing record that would have been a, a, a debacle. That would have been horrible. That should never have happened. And so that there tells me that sixteen teams. No, that's way too many. Um, and you're absolutely right when you share that 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 point about what's the point of the regular season? Why are we playing all these games if they don't matter? There was a time when it mattered. Here's the thing. We were talking earlier in one of the innings about dynasties and, and success and the things that you want to have. Do you know how hard it is? And first off, let's and let's be honest, what's happened in the World Series this this year with the two best teams by record in the American League of the National League making the World Series, that hasn't happened for years. That's it's hard to do. And so to have teams, even the best teams, do a three-game series, turn around, win a five-game series, turn around to win a seven-game series, to turn around to win another seven-game series. In 1984, all the Cubs had to do was win three games against the Padres, and they were in the World Series, and they had to win seven games. They win the four out of seven games against the Tigers. It, it's a different ball game now. It, it's changed it up quite a bit. And so I am okay with some tweaks. I would like to see any wild card team, any non-division winner, I'd like to see them have to face off in a three-game series and give all the division winners a break. Give them four days off to reset and retool and give them a reward for winning their their division. I think that's a fair thing. In terms of the runner on on second base to start, I'd like to maybe see that starting in the 12th inning. Um, I don't think we need to speed up games immediately. Let's let's use that rule for those outlier games. It's very rare for games to go past 12, 13 innings. So let's put the guy on there. Um, but otherwise, I don't mind the tweaks. 
Um, but I agree with you. You've got to have some value in having a strong postseason and having and having great success. Otherwise, why just reset everything? Um, you know, what's the point of trying to win every game if it doesn't matter? A hundred percent. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I like your idea, actually, about the runner at second in the 12th inning. I think that makes a lot of sense, too. All right. So let's finish up in the ninth inning, Chad. And uh, we've talked about Hugh Darvish. We've talked about the possibility of him winning the Cy Young. Well, Chad, did you know that Hugh Darvish is the first Japanese pitcher in Major League Baseball history to finish first in wins? And with that, the Consulate General of Japan in Chicago honored him for that achievement. So Darvish met with Consul General Kenichi Okana, a rep of the Japanese government, and received the Consul General's commendation. How about that, Chad? I know we've said plenty about Hugh Darvish. I guess the uh, question here is, what else can we just basically praise him with at this point that we haven't already other than the Cy Young Award? It's a a pretty cool achievement when your home country uh, honors you as well with the year he had. It's going to be really cool to see um, what happens with the Cy Young uh, voting. And we're going to have that with the next episode. Um, You know, he is definitely going to be um, somewhere in the top three. We don't know where. And he's going to get a heck of a payday, I believe extra 5 million. I think it's extra 5 million. Um, if he wins the Cy Young and I think it's an extra 2 million or 3 million if he finishes in the top five. So, you know, Hugh Darvish had a heck of a year this year. He had a heck of a half year last year. And we're in a position right now where if you're not excited about Hugh Darvish being on your pitching staff, you're not paying attention. So all the accolades are great. I, you know, if you're not following him on Twitter, definitely follow him on Twitter. There is a translate button and it's actually really fun to see how Twitter translates Japanese. It's not a clean translation, but it's a, it's a, it's a good one. He's very sneaky, funny. Um, and uh, he is a heck of a player to have as an ace for a couple more years for the Cubs. And so it, it's nice to see that that contract actually made sense. And what we saw initially didn't um, come to fruition. So congrats to him um, on, and congrats on, uh, you know, I, I, w- I don't think we run that, that uh, this story, if you looked at the consulate general's name and you're like, I can't pronounce that. So I, I good on you <laughs> on that translation. And also, um, honestly, if it was a little tougher, you wouldn't have done it. I appreciate that. I, I did practice over and over again before we recorded this episode to make sure I was saying it right. Um, but no, you know what? The Japanese culture, I've always found it to be so fascinating and so unique. And um, they are so... Uh, you know, they, they obviously very much love the people that come out of there. I mean, obviously, we can talk about Ichiro and what he means to that country um, and everything that he's oh, yeah. accomplished and what he, you know, brings to that, you know, everything when it comes to Japanese baseball. There was such a long history of obviously Japanese baseball and what it means. And to see you, Darvish, being the next kind of guy to carry that torch now that Ichiro is retired um you know he's the guy he is really the guy and and so it is wonderful to see the success that he you know certainly deserves um after the season that he had well that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the friendly confines once again our thanks to Taylor McGregor from the Marquee Sports Network really loved having her on with us and of course Chad and I will be back with you next week with another new episode talking about Cubs baseball. So for Chad, I am Ryan. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next time and please go out and vote. Don't let anyone say that it's
just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Hey, everyone. I'm Chad Gordon. And I'm Ryan Lieber. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports. Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Casper. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dossett. What is my distinct pleasure? I'm doing fine, thank you. We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. I'm George Will, and you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan.